Wow, well, that was what you call a ratings blowout. Shall we compare the numbers, everyone? I don't think Fox News is too happy about this. Not only were Fox's numbers a fraction of what Tucker Carlson and Donald Trump did there over on Twitter and on the Internet, they were actually basically half what they did at Fox back in 2015. So I know there's going to be a lot of spin. They're going to try and present it like, oh, wasn't this great? We were able to do this much without Trump. But guys, like numbers don't lie. It was half. It was half. And it wasn't even close to what we saw over, oh, I don't know, on the whole streaming platform. I'm telling you, this is the future, everyone. Mark my words. There is a shift that is happening undeniable at this point, and Fox is freaking out. We're going to get into that, plus a whole lot more, including this new song. Oliver Anthony has another one. Boy, the establishment does not like him, does not like what he's doing. Meanwhile, DOJ now targeting Elon Musk. Give me a break. Welcome to the show, everyone. Great to have you here, as always. If you haven't, do me the favor of making sure that you subscribe. We are live right now. We are live on Facebook. We are live on YouTube, and I am looking at all your comments as they come in. Great to have so many familiar faces brought to you in part by Legacy, PMInvestments.com. Go check them out if you're interested in buying gold or silver. Given all the inflation these days, it may be worth taking a look at diversification tools. This is one of them, one 589 But back to the ratings. Wow. 12.8 million. That's how many we're talking about there for Nielsen Ratings. 12.8 million, that's how many people tuned in to the Fox News GOP debate last night. They're very, very proud because they're like, hey, you know what? We did almost 13 million. We did 12.8 million, and we didn't even have Donald Trump. <laughs> of course, of course, it, it, you go over to Twitter or to, to, to right here, because we're going to play parts of the interview right here. I'm going to share some excerpts from that interview that Tucker Carlson did right here on YouTube, and you can see the explosive numbers that were done there. So over 230 million still counting right now. And that doesn't even include all the little bits and pieces that wind up here on Facebook, on YouTube, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to get into the content of what we heard, but I just had to lead off with that. I mean, it really is remarkable. I think what this is proving is that this shift has come and it's going to be a slow death on the vine there for Fox News and other networks, but cable TV is over. You ask any of the young people right now, and they're like, okay, yeah, where do you get your information? Where do you listen to podcasts? I listen on, on YouTube, they'll tell me. I'm like, wait a second, you listen? It gets video. And they're like, hey, you know, I'll just put in my earplugs, and I listen to my podcast on YouTube, which, by the way, is great. And so thank you for being here on YouTube. We have managed to grow just doing this show live, upwards of 110,000 followers now just in the last 90 days. So thank you for that. But uh, also make sure you go over to Apple Podcasts because I'm always there. That's the full audio version of the show. Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify. But this, as I said, this is the future. I mean, in other words, our ability to connect directly, my ability to see and hear your comments in real time, that is what this has come to. Tonight, we are looking at some pretty disastrous stuff that's going to be happening here for our country because it's the fourth time, fourth time that this former president is going to be indicted. They're in Fulton County, Georgia. They want to do the whole, you know, mugshot and all, just like they did with Rudy. It's going to be ugly. And it's a, it's a sad moment. It's a disgusting moment, frankly. And it's a highly, highly, highly political moment. More on that in a moment. But first, let's talk a little here. I'm curious about what you liked, what you didn't like, about what you saw, whether you watched both. Probably not, not to mention that Fox was very, very specific. That, that people could only use three minutes of their programming. Tucker, on the other hand, he gave it all up for free. Because you know what? He's smart. He realizes that the more that content is perpetuated, the more people get to see it, the more sort of democratization, if you would, of that content is going on. The more views, the better. The more people that can share and hear this, the better. Anyway, let me start here with Tucker in the interview. As I said, we'll, we'll move on to some other topics, including what's coming up there in Fulton County, Georgia, in just a moment. But I first want to just dissect some of what transpired. Here is Donald Trump talking about Joe Biden and the fragility, if you would, of Mr. Biden right now. But Joe is really... But you don't think he's going to make it to November of 20? Well, I, I think he's worse uh, mentally than he is physically. And physically, he's not exactly uh, a triathlete or any kind of an athlete. You look at him, he can't walk to the helicopter. He, he walks 
He can't lift his feet out of the grass. You know, it's only two inches at the White House, right? That's not a lot. But you watch him, and it looks like he's walking on toothpicks. So, and then you see him in the beach where he can't lift a chair. You know, those chairs are meant to be light, right? They're like two ounces. Yeah. You lift them up. He can't lift the chair. He can't walk to the chair. And I, I don't know what they're doing with the beach. You know, this beach is seeming to play a big role, but they love pictures of him on the beach. I think he looks terrible on the beach. He looks terrible on the beach. Skinny legs. Well, he can't it's... walk through the sand. You know, sand yeah. is not that easy to walk through. But when he walks through it, he can't walk through the sand. And there's somebody in there that thinks he looks fabulous at the beach. I think he looks horrible at the beach. Plus, the beach doesn't represent what a president's supposed to be doing. He's supposed to be working. He's supposed to be getting us out of that horrible, horrible war that we're very much involved in with Russia and Ukraine. You could do that. You could do that very easily. I believe you could do that very... I don't believe he could do it because he's just incompetent. But that's a war that should end immediately, not because of one side or the other, because hundreds of thousands of people are being killed. Can you imagine you're in an apartment house and rockets are going into that building and blowing it up and knocking it down? And who, who can, why, why should anything, why should anybody, human beings, these are human, whether they're Russian or Ukrainian or whatever they are, it's got to be stopped. And it can be stopped very easily. It would have never started. If I were president, it would have never started. Wow. So um, there was a lot there. It was a, a you know, sort of all-encompassing interview. We're going to get to the president's, former president's thoughts on the potential for civil war in just a moment because he asked him that. Um, it, it, was, it was interesting, the whole thing, really and truly pretty darn interesting to see. But I think I'm looking at it in part just saying, wait a second, you know, everything that's been so tightly controlled in our world that's changing, and I think there's an authenticity factor that is – it's what people value, right? Like, let's be honest. Like, people want what's real, and you're seeing that both in terms of the media, in terms of how people are consuming the media in this sort of 3D fashion as I see comments. Mike O'Donnell, good to see you again. Uh, Micah, Viking Cat here, Johnny, great to see everyone. But in other words, we're in this sort of – position and space where we can communicate directly rather than it's sort of from top down, right? And it's a very small example, but it's an important example. And you're also seeing that within the media space of the Fox News sort of machine there in Milwaukee with everybody on stage, all the bright lights, camera action, the very tightly controlled script, the very tightly controlled narrative. Very interestingly, I don't know if you guys picked up on this, but, you know, it, it was not until about an hour through that program there on Fox News last night that they even addressed Donald Trump, who's the front runner right now. They didn't even bring him up. It's like the guy didn't exist. You know why? I know this because I used to work there and, you know, they can pretend all they want that it's just he wasn't on the top of their mind. Let me tell you, he was front and center on their minds. All they could think about because they're like, oh, my gosh, these ratings, these ratings, these ratings. Why don't we have the front runner for the GOP actually at our GOP debate. Well, maybe it has something to do with the fact that you guys have not exactly been transparent or uh, so so kind. And um, not that you have to be kind. You don't. But at least be fair, right, to him. And so I think that that factored into the decision. And it was a smart decision to make. Who the heck needs to go to the Fox? By the way, like all these little these little people that – that want to run for president. It's wonderful. You know what? Like, more the merrier. Great. You, you, you guys have at it. But Chris Christie, I mean, come on. Your whole job there is to just be the attack dog. I think they get super PACs funding him so that he's going to be the attack dog on Trump. Well, Trump wasn't there. So who did they attack? They attacked Vivek Ramaswamy, who actually is uh, another outsider. How dare these outsiders get involved in our world? Well, there's an authenticity to Vivek that is is pretty inspiring and like look i i'm not gonna for one second say i i i, I am not gonna ignore the fact that the guy is not bought and paid for by other billionaires right there's something sort of very special about that in that he's out there giving back effectively right he doesn't have to do this who the heck wants to do that 37 years old he should go enjoy his life but he has some aspirations, political aspirations, and, and wants to help the country. And so there he is. And Chris Christie goes after him. Let me show you a little excerpt from that, and we'll get back again to the narrative. But notice, like, the set, 
notice the bells and whistle that come with the Fox News machine, along with the prompters and all the heavily scripted questions, this, that, and the other. And then someone like Vivek walks out there and just kind of steals the show because he's willing to take on the entire system, much like Trump did with Tucker, much like Oliver Anthony is doing right now at the music industry, and much like in my own small way, thanks to your support and help, again, subscribe, 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 share, like, do all that stuff, you've been able to help me communicate directly with everyone. So let's take a look here. This is Chris Christie, who goes after Vivek, after Vivek, comments on climate issues and and points to what's happened in Maui, right? Because don't forget in Maui, they didn't release the water in time because it's not equitable to just immediately give out water. And what are we looking at now? Very, very shameful. So many people dead and so much devastation. So here's Vivek. People are dying of bad climate change policies than they are of actual climate change. Governor, Governor Haley, are you bothering me? Hold on, hold on. Listen, listen, listen. Hold on, hold on. I've had enough. I've had enough already tonight of a guy who sounds like ChatGPT standing up here. Because he's smoking on you. And the last person in one of these debates, Brett, who stood in the middle of the stage and said, What's a skinny guy with an odd last name doing up here was Barack Obama, and I'm afraid we're dealing with the same type of amateur standing stage tonight. Come over and give me a hug. <laughs> give me a hug just same, like you did to Obama. same type of amateur. And, and you'll help elect me just the, like you did to Obama, too. Yeah. Give me that The same hug, type of amateur. Come back. Hold on. Hold on. Good, good. Come back. Give me a hug just like you did Obama, and you'll help me win, too. Listen, you know, <laughs> Fox just needs to give a big, big thank you to Vivek Ramaswamy because he saved their ratings. He saved them from being down in the 2 million range. I mean, who wanted to watch that last night except for the excitement that a newcomer actually brought to the stage? Listen, we need more newcomers. We need more people like this guy, right? We're going to talk about this in a minute. And we're going to play Working more. All day. We're going to play more of this. Overtime hours for bullshit pay so I can sit out Gosh. here. It's great. It's great. And you know what? I'm a snob about music. Total snob. I mean, I, I'm, prof- you know, classically trained. I, classically trained. I sang professionally, went to a conservatory, studied in Austria. Like, listen, when it comes to music, I... I'm just going to tell you, like, I, I have every right to be a critic. That's, that's like a side little job I can do. And that guy is good. He is really good. We're going to talk about more about that in a second. But again, authenticity, what's real? You know, he's the farmer who's getting you know what by the government and talks about this in a, in a way that resonates because it's real. Donald Trump, you know, the guys say what you want. He, part of his problem is he, he says too much, right? Like, They ask him about, gee, where could this coronavirus come from? And and could it have come from a lab in China? And and he says, yes. And then the deep state goes bonkers and Nature Journal goes bonkers and Anthony Fauci goes bonkers. And like, they can't control him because he says a little too much about what he thinks. Anyway, he's pretty darn psyched. As you can see, Donald Trump is absolutely positively thrilled at these numbers because he's really into numbers. You know that, right? Like, he loves talking about numbers. Anyway, here we go. Here is his response after these numbers came out. And again, these numbers keep climbing, right? So it's just like Oliver Anthony, who's now at some 22 million, it's probably over 30 million by now, on downloads for his song. Those numbers keep climbing. Here is Donald Trump responding with, wow, 231 million views and still counting the biggest video on social media ever, more than double the Super Bowl. Wow. But please excuse me, I have to start getting ready to head down to Atlanta, Georgia, where murder and other violent crimes have reached levels never seen before to get arrested by a radical left low-life district attorney, Fannie Willis. Uh, for a perfect phone call and having the audacity to challenge a rigged and stolen election, the evidence is irrefutable. Arrest time, 7.30 p.m. Now, I, I am obligated to say I believe otherwise I will be kicked off every single platform um, that the election was not stolen. And you know what? I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like to me, 
the answer, forget all that for a second, okay? The answer for Republicans in 2024 is to make sure, no matter what, that you have your act together, you have your game on, and that you play fair, but you play smart, which means you got to be better organized. You got to have the grassroots effort. If the left is going to go out there and, and go round up everybody at the nursing home and make sure that they vote, guess what? You do that too. All right. So that is what is very important. And I would say this, if, if it is close, you ought to have a right, a legal right to be able to ask questions and not be thrown in jail because of it. In fact, this is something that even Hillary would insist that you have the right to do, right? Because didn't she, didn't she tell Joe Biden back in August of 2020 on a podcast that he needed to cling on to things no matter what? I do believe these were her words. In fact, don't take my word for it. Let's listen. You know, Joe Biden should not concede under any circumstances because I think this is going to drag out and eventually I do believe he will win if... We don't give an inch. Hmm. You see? So that, that, that used to be allowed. In fact, there was a whole thing, right, with Al Gore and Bush and the Hanging Chads in Florida and Alan Dershowitz, the professor from Harvard of Law, who's actually come out very much in defense, very much in defense of Donald Trump, has said, look, you know, I, I had the legal right to do that. And you should have the legal right to ask questions, and it shouldn't immediately be, okay, now you're going to jail. But that's sort of what's about to transpire in just a very short amount of time. They're going to go uh, book him there, and they're going to take his mugshot and the whole nine yards. And it's not going to be a pretty look, not for this country. They did this to Giuliani, of course, yesterday. Here's his response. I mean, don't forget, don't forget the context around this. Giuliani actually made New York a very, very safe place. Rudy Giuliani cleaned up the streets like you wouldn't believe. Crime was reduced. Families decided to live there, mine included, because it was a, a good place. Imagine that, to raise kids. Boy, am I, I'm happy I'm not there anymore, right? But there was a time when it was, it was considered safe. Those days are gone. It is a mess. Here is Giuliani. Imagine this. Booked with a mugshot, the whole nine yards. Here he is speaking just yesterday. We're going to hear from Trump shortly. Uh, to... Georgia, and I'm feeling very, very good about it because I feel like I'm defending the rights of all Americans, as I did so many times as a United States attorney. People, people like to say I'm different. I'm the same Rudy Giuliani that took down the mafia, that made New York City the safest city in America, reduced crime more than any mayor in the history of any city, anywhere, and I'm fighting for justice. I have been from the first moment. I represented Donald Trump, and this a man who has now been proven innocent several times, don't know how many times he has to be proven innocent, and they have to be proven to be liars, actually enemies of our republic, who are destroying rights, sacred rights. They're destroying my right to counsel, my right to be a lawyer. They're destroying his right to counsel. It's not accidental that they've indicted all his lawyers. Never heard of that before in America. I'm sorry, Mr. Vice President, have you, I know you're Let's running see. for president. You are... That was a little clip, a little brief. That was Tucker and Pence. He kind of ruined his political chances, but we didn't mean to show that. I, I've showed you that a, a few times, um, including, I think, in just yesterday's show. So you're welcome to watch it again. But look, I, I think that he, here's the reality. They are going after Donald Trump because he represents a total threat to the establishment. He's, he's not one of them, just like Vivek Ramaswamy is not one of them. And you have to be part of the system. You have to come up through, you know, the, the donor class where they're, they're telling you what you can okay or not okay policy-wise. And when you get the wild card in there that just says, hey, I'm going to do things my way, well, then that becomes a big, big problem. But this is what Americans respond to. They, they like and appreciate people who do things their own way. I mean, that is sort of the American way, right? Like we are very independent people and we don't like being pigeonholed and we like, don't like being told what we're supposed to think, which is exactly what they've been doing over and over and over again. And thus, yes, I am not one bit surprised that you're looking at 230 million views breaking the internet effectively with that interview between Tucker and Trump versus 12.8 million on Nielsen ratings for Fox. So there's a certain irony, a sweet irony in this, and it's certainly not lost on me of all people 
do not forget, they didn't really like Trump very much over at Fox. That would be the Murdochs. That would be Paul Ryan. Some of the people in charge. You know, you know the drill. And they, they, they certainly didn't like anybody who they thought was making too much of an impact, myself included. Um, Dan Bongino, Lou Dobbs, and of course Tucker Carlson, who was their biggest ratings draw that they ever had. So they tossed Tucker. And again, the sweet irony of this for Tucker and for Trump, and, you know, I'm over here on the sidelines getting a kick out of it, is that you then had 230 million plus people tuning in, thereby beating Fox News, proving to Fox News that, you know what, you guys are dying a slow death. And you may hang on to a few subs that you've got. And, and I get it. You know, the, the cable companies are still going to pay you a little bit of money, a little few pennies here and there. But the truth is everything has shifted. And because of the business you are in, as a legacy media company, you can't do what we're all doing right now. You can't actually have this sort of 3D environment go direct to the viewer. No, it's a very different, very staid, very artificial kind of product, complete with the bells and whistles of the prompter and the copy that's written Never from me. I, I wouldn't, only the teases. I used to let producers write teases because I wasn't very good at the tease writing. I just give it all away, you know, because I just tell you everything that I think. But anyway, I, I always wrote everything myself. But that is, that is not normal, by the way, in cable. What you usually have are producers writing a script and then, well, the anchor reads it from the teleprompter. And so it, it's a new game. It's a totally new game. And whether or not legacy media companies, and I don't mean to pick on Fox exclusively because they're all this way. I mean, look, the networks, ABC News, World, World News Tonight, I think it's called NBC Nightly News, CBS Evening News. I've worked for them. Like the, these shows, like nobody watches them anymore. I don't know anybody who watches these things anymore. It became cable. And now it is this. And last night was proof. Anyway, again, we are moments away. He's supposed to touch down there around 7.30. They're in Fulton County, Georgia. We're going to see, of course, this, this woman, Fannie Willis, have a, another day in the sun. This is a woman who really couldn't even get the whole indictment processed correctly. Don't forget, it got leaked. It actually didn't even get leaked to the media. It actually was, like, stamped. Like, it went into the system as though it happened, even before the jurors had actually handed the indictment to the judge. So you tell me. Little funny stuff going on. Funny stuff everywhere. Funny stuff with the Hunter Biden plea agreement. You want to talk funny stuff? Or how about how, how about all those millions of dollars that were going back and forth and back and forth between Ukraine, between China, Romania, and Hunter Biden's companies? I mean, these are some real problems. And we actually need real answers on these things. But you know what? They're going to try and sweep it under the rug. They're trying to sweep it under the rug with this plea deal. Now they get their special counsel, who happens to be David Weiss, the guy who tried to sweep it under the rug with plea deal because everyone is positively, absolutely terrified about Joe Biden being on the stand because that's what it's going to come to. You're going to need to put the former, uh, former, current, forgive me, president of the United States on the stand to try and answer for his son and all those personal emails that maybe have been flowing back and forth. You know, he got smart along the way. He actually changed it to a personal email, PCI.gov account, whatever that was. It's part of the National Archives records. And I, I bring this up because we were trying to figure out what the heck PCI.gov was. And this was the most we could come up with. I mean, if you look up PCI.gov, your screen goes blank on Google, nothing comes up. This is some kind of personal email server for people in government. So he went by Robert Ware and a few other names. We need to see all that. I know Comer's on it. I'm impressed with what Comer has come forward thus far. But the reality is they are terrified, absolutely positively terrified that Joe Biden is going to have to get on the stand to defend his son. And by the way, when he does, risks incriminating himself, right? If all these emails come out and we see that, oh, interestingly, interestingly, Hunter Biden is CC'd on the schedule in Ukraine and then somehow, oh, I don't know, winds up uh, doing a few things for Ukraine and then some multimillion dollars going to the account. I mean, that's what they're looking for, Right whether or not there was a direct connection, whether or not they can prove that direct connection. And that is indeed why they need all of those emails. I mean, I don't know how much more you guys need other than, you know, a few little things like, hey, you know what? They come out with 
the plea agreement, which actually is now defunct, right? Thank goodness there's a judge that actually has some ethics. The Washington Post then reports that guess what? Oh, the family's doing so great. They're so hunky-dory. They're so close. That's our headline. Take a look. I've got it on the screen. They're so close that yeah, Hunter went to hang out with his dad immediately following that deal. And then, and then showed up here. Hunter Biden mingling with the crowd as a guest of his father and Jill Biden, the first lady as well there. He's greeting NASA <laughs> administrator. And I mean, the, the announcer sounds a little surprised there. So that to me is kind of a story worth looking into, right? And yet you don't hear anything about that. In fact, all we're hearing about is how Trump tried to steal the election, etc. In fact, if we're to believe them, this is, this is why like, it becomes like the little boy who cried wolf, right? Because if we're to believe everything that they have said and everything that they have told us there on the left, then I, I think, um, well, they've been, unfortunately for them, disproven a few too many times. I mean, just go, go back through it, right? You got the dossier that turned out to be, what do you know, opposition research bought and paid for by Hillary Clinton, that they tried to present as real stuff. And it actually gave them reason to then empower the FBI to, to wiretap Trump's phones. I mean, this is, this is how nutty it is. And then you have, oh, let's, let's fast forward. After the dossier, you know, there's, there's, there's all this commotion about whether or, not, uh, whether or not the Russians actually stole the election for him. I mean, this is what was perpetuated over and over and over again, even with the likes of Jimmy Carter telling us that the election had been stolen, remember? There's no doubt that the Russians did interfere in the election, and I think the interference, although not yet quantified, uh, if fully investigated, would show that Trump didn't actually win the election in 2016. He lost the election, and he was put into office because the Russians interfered on his behalf. So do you believe President Trump is an illegitimate president? <laughs> Based on what I just said, which I can't retract. <laughs> oh, I think it's so funny. So funny. Let's all laugh about that. I'm sorry. That's a massive accusation from a former president of the United States actually saying he's illegitimate and that the Russians put him there. OK, so that one turned out to be false. And then, you know, let's keep going, guys, because, oh, I do remember there were 51 spies, a bunch of old hacks, spooks that came out with that big, 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 big letter saying that the Hunter Biden laptop was nothing but a bunch of misinformation. Well, it turns out that Hunter Biden laptop was real and he was under investigation by the FBI and the IRS for multiple things. And yet they wanted us to believe otherwise. And we don't even have to get into what else is going on on the health front, right? Because there's talk of masks coming in September, et cetera. After a while, you start to get numb to it. And as an individual, you say, is this really real? I mean, when you keep lying and lying and lying, at some point, some people get a little desensitized to it. And they look around and say, well, who is telling the truth? Maybe it's that guy that they just absolutely can't stand, that he's so reckless and he's so out of control that they now have to arrest and get a mugshot of there down in Georgia. I showed you this recently. I'm going to show you again. Let me see if I can find it. This is my friend Dan Bongino, who is very outspoken, also had a show on Fox, also is no longer there, and um, had, had a little idea, shall we say, for Donald Trump and his team about this whole mugshot and this whole arrest. He's kind of like, hey, why not? Maybe just go with it. It's funny. I was watching. He's like, I was thinking about this all night. I had this crazy, crazy idea. I think it's pretty crazy, but just hear me out. Here we go. I don't think he should post. Post bail. Folks, I say that because it's about to get crazy. Anyone telling you that, no, what, they're not going to do this or things are going to calm down or we've reached peak nuts. You are grossly mistaken. If we don't do something big and bold soon, we are going to be left in a real dilemma soon. I'll explain. Mm. Well, so he's saying, you know, let's do something big and bold. Let's just clear out the jail because Secret Service has the power to do that. And so he can go and run the campaign. He can see whoever he wants, just do it from jail and uh, say, hey, Fannie Willis, we are calling your bluff. You know, they think this is some kind of fun and games. This is the United States of America, people. This is not right. This is absolutely positively wrong. And look, we've been very lucky. We have enjoyed 
a position since World War II as the hegemonic power of the world. And you know what goes with that? The ability to actually print our currency ourselves. Now, I say print in very loose terms because every time we print, and believe me, we have been, it comes with strings attached, lots of strings. And the more you print recklessly as we have, well, guess what? The more inflation you will and do, in fact, have. We've seen it over and over again. It's the reason why I do encourage people to be thoughtful about their portfolio. And I encourage you to call my friends over at Legacy, LegacyPMInvestments.com. First sponsor on the show, really, really great guy, Charles Thorngren, who runs the place. one 589 I should have that right by now, right? Anyway, you are welcome to use my name. Of course, of course. It's, it's wonderful if you do. And they'll talk you through it. They'll talk you through um, it's, it's all the, the possibilities, shall we say, if you're interested in investing in gold or silver. So give them a ring. Uh, they, they will take good care of you. But this is going to be a big deal right now. And look, I, I, I am... I'm happy that we enjoy the status we have, right? And I I say this because, again, we are the world's reserve currency. And we have been since World War II. But there's a certain amount of respect that the world has to give us in order to ensure that. And we're we're out there trouting people out out for these mug shots when, when Donald Trump, former president of the United States, is being indicted four times on 91 different counts. For goodness sakes, one of the counts happens to be that he retweeted a tweet from OAN, a network, a, a, a sort of right-leaning network. You can't even retweet now? I mean, to think, to think that they took down the president's Twitter account while simultaneously allowing the accounts of all these dictators around the world to stay up. What is that about? If it's not about control, right? Total control. And speaking of total control, which they want, news today that Elon Musk is in their crosshairs in a way that is far larger than even what we've seen before. So Elon, right, he... He's in big trouble because he's, he's the guy who put the Trump interview out. Remember that? On Twitter, X, formerly known as Twitter, forgive me, just last night. Well, so now, like, he is persona non grata. I mean, he was already persona non grata, even though he's the guy that created this whole industry that they're so extremely fond of, right, with electric cars, electric vehicles. Anyway, Elon Musk is in trouble. You, you've had Lena Khan go after him. Well, now, this is new. The U.S. Justice Department is suing SpaceX, one of his companies, of course, over discrimination in hiring. They say that he has been refusing to hire refugees. Justice Department's alleged that the rocket company refused to consider asylum seekers and refugees for jobs because of citizen status. Really? Like that, that's what you're going after Elon Musk for. It kind of helps make that whole Oliver Anthony song ring true. Like you're caring more about everybody else that's coming here for refugee status than, than you do about your own workers. I mean, wow. So anyway, the DOJ, that would be Merrick Garland, everyone. Remember? Remember Merrick Garland, who uh, really is freaking out because, oh, gosh, this whole like thing with Hunter Biden just keeps getting worse and worse and worse, and they got to put David Weiss in because David Weiss plays by the rules. He knows how the Delaware courts work. He's been sort of a team player, if you would, for the government, even the one who was so kind to, to, to come up with that little plea deal that would have gotten Hunter Biden off the hook because the 32-page memo, which got leaked recently from the Hunter Biden legal team written by Chris Clark, the lawyer for Hunter was threatening that they were going to have to put Joe Biden on the stand. And that would result, according to Chris Clark, in a constitutional crisis. So yeah, so they, they got David Weiss there doing what Merrick Garland, I guess, wants him to do. And Merrick Garland is taking the opportunity to now go after Elon Musk. Give me a break. Like, people are wise to this. Guess what? The flow of information, it's happening. We saw that, of course. 12.8 million on Nielsen viewers on Fox News last night. 230 million plus there watching on X. So you tell me, information is getting out. Fox, which constricts it, tells reporters you can only use three minutes of this stuff versus go for it. Use whatever you want. Two different approaches. Speaking of go for it, use whatever you want. Donald Trump had some very interesting things to say on the whole civil war thing. 
I brought this up. I'm going to play it for you. I, I want you to hear this and I, I want you to react. I brought this up a few years ago on the air and I got ridiculed by the mainstream media. They wrote about it. They laughed about it. Can you believe Trish Regan was talking about the Civil War? And I actually talked about it in a slightly different context. I talked about a Civil War that I felt very strongly was brewing, not with generals and all that, not like an actual physical war. Gosh, we, we certainly hope it doesn't ever come to that. Gosh, right? Um, but, but things are getting really, really strange. And Tucker asked Trump about this. He kind of skirted the issue. I, I will tell you that. But he said something else that was very powerful and very interesting. I mean, he didn't entirely skirt. He didn't, he didn't say exactly whether he thought it was happening or not. But he did say that there's so much passion and, you know, that passion is, is, is great or it's not great, right? Like, in other words, he said he'd never seen so much love, but he had never seen so much awfulness as well. It's a nuanced answer, and I want you to hear it in its entirety. So listen here. Do you think we're moving towards civil war? There's tremendous passion and there's tremendous love. Uh, you know... January 6th was a very interesting day because they don't report it properly. Um, I believe it was the largest crowd I've ever spoken before. And you know some of the crowds I've spoken before. And uh, like July 4th on the mall, uh, I think they had a million people there. Uh, but I think that the biggest crowd I've ever spoken before was on January 6th. And people that were in that crowd, a very, very small group of people, and we said, patriotically and peacefully, peacefully and patriotically, right? Nobody ever says that. Go peacefully and patriotically. But people that were in that crowd that day, a very small group of people went down there, and then you, there are a lot, of, a lot of scenarios that we can talk about. But people in that crowd said it was the most beautiful day they've ever experienced. There was love in that crowd. There was love and unity. I have never seen such spirit and such passion and such love. And I've also never seen simultaneously and from the same people such hatred yeah. of what they've done to our country. You see, so, you know, I think it, he, he's making a fair point. Now, let's just think about this before those on the left get super, super angry and say, oh, you know, this is all about love. He also says he's never seen such love and he's never seen such hatred for what has happened to this country. And he doesn't say whether, you know, we're, we're inching towards this really horrible thing that I don't even like saying. Um, when I've talked about it in the past, I talked about it as sort of being an emotional kind of thing, but not one with actual generals, et cetera. But this is, this is kind of what is getting scary. And this is what Oliver Anthony is talking about, by the way, in his brand new song. He's got a brand new song out that I am going to play for you. But when you push people so far, right, when, you, when you, you push them sort of effectively kind of to the brink, which is how this feels, at some point they say, okay, this is enough. Like th this world is feeling so upside down and you keep telling us stuff and we keep saying, no, that, that's not right. And yet you double down and then you, you say like, we're in trouble for actually saying these things. And then you get to the point where, you know what, people just, they, they reach a breaking point. They reach a breaking point, they've had enough, and that's why it feels as though we're kind of at that tipping point. And it's this, you know, kettle that's getting hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter. And when Donald Trump talks about that passion on both, um, for, for, for the, the country and against the country, he's not wrong. Meanwhile, any of the, you know, the, 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 the rhetoric that you hear around this has been very carefully sliced and diced by the people in control. I brought this up the other day. I hadn't thought about it, actually, in quite some time. And I went back and I was looking through some footage that I wanted to show you guys. And I all of a sudden started noticing that everything was shot by Alexandra Pelosi, who happens to be the daughter of Nancy Pelosi, who was Speaker of the House at the time. So if you look back through the information, the Speaker of the House knew that this could be a difficult day, and they were preparing for it from an intelligence perspective, the intelligence operation. And so if you knew it was going to be really bad, you know, what do you do? Like, what you, you know, maybe, um, 
maybe you invite a news crew in because you feel like it should be documented, but do you invite your daughter's news crew in? <laughs> really? Like, that's when again, like, I'm just like, okay, this guy is, is getting a little too close to home. There's a little too much nepotism, shall we say. Well, all this footage that we keep seeing that, that was run by the committee, et cetera, it all came from Alexandra Pelosi, who happened to be the daughter of the Speaker of the House. Here. Never before seen footage. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi shown fleeing the U.S. Capitol as it was under attack on January 6th. The videos captured by her daughter, Alexandra Pelosi, a documentary filmmaker. We have got to finish the proceedings. She provided some of her footage to the January 6th Select Committee, who played clips in their hearing Thursday. Okay, so here's the thing. The video that then continued to play on a loop, it, it was from Alexandra Pelosi. Like, I'm sorry, but you know what? It's just not, it doesn't, it's not right. Like, it's just not right. It's just like, it's not right that Hunter Biden's getting a Porsche from Romania or $83,000 to sit on the board of a Ukrainian energy company of which he knows nothing about. It's just not right. It doesn't look right. And yet these, these lawmakers think like the rules don't apply to them. You know, it's, Hunter doesn't have to pay taxes on millions of dollars of income that he collected all around the world while his dad was VP. He doesn't have to admit that he has an addiction when he goes and tries to get a weapon. Come on. I mean, again, here, this is another network that, that, that did at least, I, I, I give them credit. I think this is ABC for at least admitting that was Alexandra Pelosi's footage I'm going to come to him and punch him out. This oh, is my no, mom. I would pay to see that. I'm waiting for this, for trespassing on the Capitol grounds. I'm going to punch him out, and I'm going to go to jail, and I'm going to be happy. The footage was shot by filmmaker Alexandra Pelosi, the speaker's daughter, for an HBO documentary. Okay, so she's doing this HBO documentary, and yet what happens? All of these places keep running it. They say it's a CNN exclusive, as though CNN... No, here's how it works, guys. I, I've been in this business a long time. She's out there shooting her little documentary, which she's going to sell to HBO. And then she's got this footage, and she can sell it to CNN. Guess what? CNN can buy it as the exclusive, and then they stamp their little CNN exclusive on it, and that's what then runs in the loop. And how many times do you really think everybody said, oh, this is Alexandra Pelosi's footage, the daughter of the Speaker of the House? I'm just saying, like, look. Americans get tired of it. And this is the kind of nepotism nonsense that really bothers people because they worry, understandably, that the narrative is being controlled. And so if I were Nancy Pelosi or advising Nancy Pelosi, I'd say, you know what, let Alexandra sit this one out. Let's get a couple news crews in here. Let's bring Fox in, Newsmax, CNN, NBC. Why don't we... Bring some people in that we trust. But if you want this document and you want it documented fairly and properly for the American people, you don't let your daughter do it. Okay? Because even if she's fantastic, even if she is so ethical and above board in the whole nine yards, the whole world is going to think that something is up. And they don't appreciate it. Americans do not want to be told what to think. And this is exactly why Oliver Anthony and his music is resonating with people everywhere. His song, you know it, it it's, it's skyrocketed. Number one in the Billboard charts now. Some 30 million downloads. Just incredible. Just incredible. And he's out with a new one. I'm going to play the new one, but I want to play a little bit of Richmond, North of Richmond for you. There's a lot of themes in here that we talk about here on the show economically about the squeeze of the middle class. They are really sticking it to anybody who's in the middle. Hey, you have nothing. You come here from another place. We'll, we'll, we'll give you everything. You get the cell phone. You get the hotel room. We're going we're gonna to set you up. You're all set. You got food. You get shelter. You name it. We're there to help. If you're on the very upper end, hey, look, you, you get away like Hunter Biden without even having to pay your taxes. How, how does that work? Come on. Listen, if you're in the upper end, it's why I say, you know, look, you've got to think 
smartly about your money and your savings. But if you're in the upper end, like you get to a certain point, right? And it just becomes that much easier, that much easier because then you're, you've got assets and there's this divide between the worker and the capital and the capital's controlling everything and they want to continue to control everything while the worker's stuck in the middle and just getting squeezed like you wouldn't believe and everybody else on the extreme bottom. Well, they, what, what's the expression? Give uh, let them eat cake, right? That That's kind of the, the 1% mentality on that. Let them eat cake. They give them a little something just to kind of keep them down on the farm, so to speak. Well, this is one farmer, Oliver Anthony, who's had it. And his music resonates. And the left hates it. New song coming up, but first this one, a little bit. Well, I've been selling my soul, working all day, overtime hours. For bullshit pay So I can sit out here And waste my life away Drag back home And drown my troubles away It's a damn shame What the world's gotten to For people like me People like you Wish I could just wake up And it not be true But it is Oh it is Living in the new world With an heart So I'm not going to play all of it because I want to encourage you to go and listen to him. Phenomenal. Just a phenomenal, phenomenal piece. And every time I hear it, I get a little bit teary-eyed because it's so true. In other words, they're trying to control you. They want you to think what they want you to think. And he's pointing that out. Like, no, we're smarter than that. We got it. We, we, We know this is wrong. Instinctively, we just know it's wrong. And then they tax you to death and... Inflation is through the roof. I mean, all of these things. This guy is resonating in ways that the left didn't anticipate because, right, they control everything. They control government. They control Wall Street with their ESG stuff. They control um, entertainment and, and the record industry. And this guy comes out of nowhere, literally nowhere. He's a farmer and says, you know what? I'm going to write this song and I'm going to write this music. I'm going to put it up on YouTube. And before you know it, it blows away the records of Elvis. It blows away the records of the Beatles on their debut albums. And that is, my friends, the power to the people. This is proving over and over again, whether it's Bud Light, whether it's Target, whether it's Oliver Anthony, that the people have a voice and the libs hate it. The liberal reaction is off the charts angry to this guy. Here's one article in The Independent. Do Republican anthems have to be quite so terrible as rich men north of Richmond? That's their attitude. He goes on to heavily criticize it, writing, I mean, because they're shocked, right? Like, how could this song ever be tops in the Billboard Hot 100? Well, fans of the song, this author writes, have hailed it as giving a voice to the disaffected working class. It, it, It has. It absolutely, and that's what they're so bothered by because they're supposed to control that narrative, right? They want their artists to be able to voice what they want. He says, you know, leaving aside the politics, the song is just not great. Musically, he writes, it's fine. Anthony, a former factory worker and farmer who apparently lives off the grid in Virginia, has an unvarnished voice and his guitar playing is competent. The tune is simple and melodic, if rather repetitive. And then it goes on to say that, uh, well, the lyrics are what really stink. Wow. <laughs> like, a little jealous? A little jealous there that, you know, maybe somebody else can have a, a shot at success in a very tightly controlled music world? I think the lyrics are pretty good. And I say this 
from a position of authority in that I spent a whole lot of years studying music, classical, jazz, musical theater, and opera. Yes, opera. That's what I originally wanted to be. Can you imagine? Anyway, yes, it's, I love it. It's why I speak so many languages. And I've had a lot of training, a lot, and studied at conservatories and studied overseas. And I, 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 I could read music before I could actually read as a little kid. And I'm telling you, as a professionally trained musician, that guy's good. And that scares them. Scares the heck out of them. Especially when he sings new songs. Like this one right here. I'm going to play a short excerpt. Lord, they'd have me strung up in the psych ward Cause every day living in this new world one, two, many days to me Son, we're on the brink of the next world war And I don't think nobody's praying no more And I ain't saying I know it for sure I'm just down on my knees Begging the Lord and take me home I want to go home I don't know. So again, I'd love to play the whole thing, and I don't even know what the rules entirely are on this, but um, the, the, the title of the song is I Want to Go Home. And out of respect to the artist here, I, I want you to go and find his original channel and listen to it there. It's terrific. But you see, this is all tied together. It's all tied together. Americans want something real, they want people who care about them. They want people to understand them. They're getting tired of the, the nonsense and the facade and the, you know, it, it's whatever you feel like. But it's not even whatever you feel like because they're jamming it down our throat in a way that doesn't really feel that comfortable. I say this because you know what? Americans are some of the most accepting, wonderful, kind, empathetic individuals on the planet. But when you push them too hard, and when you ask them to accept total, utter nonsense and to prioritize everyone else except themselves and their families, you've lost them. The left has lost America. And I think you're going to see more and more proof of that in 2024. Thank you for being here. I love having you here on this show. Make sure you subscribe John Woods, good to see you. Boomer, Stephen, good to see you back here. Chris Brown, all of you. Cindy, thank you for that compliment. Make sure you subscribe and I'll see you tomorrow.